I'm Todd Starnes, and I have the wonderful privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. And we are grateful that you're joining us for this podcast. It is growing and it's exciting. So please take time to like, to follow, to share whatever social media platform you're joining us on. I'm excited about this series. We are looking at Passover to Pentecost. What happened in between the resurrection and the ascension? And then what happened on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed? I pray that these messages will bless you, encourage you. So let's jump right in to this week's message. This morning we are talking about the road to Emmaus. And found in the book of Luke is where we're going to pull from this morning. And so this is part of our series, Passover to Pentecost. We're going to be looking at, from now until Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be looking at specific things that happened after the resurrection, before the ascension of Jesus. And so one of those things is the road to Emmaus where Christ, he encounters these two disciples. And so this morning, I'm really excited about this. And we have some neat elements that's going to happen in the sermon. We're going to have some baptisms at the close of service. Are you excited? I'm excited. So there are 40 days. That's your very first blank. There are 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension and then 10 days more until Pentecost, so 59 days. I mean, really technically it's 49, but we call it 50 days. Obviously, we celebrated the resurrection last week. The resurrection is a big deal, y'all, if you didn't know. Um, it's kind of what everything hinges on. And I do want to say this beside that, we are at a place in our church locally here that we are fast approaching our pre March 2020 attendance, and that is so exciting, and it has a lot to do with you guys, and you know, if you don't invite them, they're not going to come, but there should have been a little more amens, pastor, you know, pastor's preaching really good right there, but uh, as we talk about this, the things that happened from the resurrection to uh, Pentecost, and, and this time frame, I believe it's so important because of several things. Uh, one, by his resurrection, Christ defeated the power of death. Because of his resurrection, Christ defeated the power of death. By his ascension, he gave the redeemed, that would be us that are believers, the hope of his continued ministry. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few weeks, but Christ now is at the right hand of the Father, and he is serving a purpose there continually still for us as the, for the believer. And through his 40 days on earth, some very specific things happened. He prepared and commissioned the believers. He prepared and he commissioned the believers. But we see some things happen during these 40 days. The road to Emmaus that we're going to talk about. We see where Jesus appeared to 10 of the disciples. We see where Jesus then appeared to 11. If you remember or recall, or maybe you don't know, but there were 12 disciples, and after his death, Judas, he committed suicide. He took his own life, and that left the 11. But one time he appeared to 10, then 11. Uh, Jesus, after that, appeared to seven of the disciples, and they had a meal together, and Peter caught a lot of fish. It was really a really cool account. Jesus does appear to others. We see in 1 Corinthians 
where Jesus appears to a crowd of over 500 people. Jesus, during that 40 days, he gives the great suggestion. No, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. And it's not uh, something we think about doing. It's a command of our Lord Jesus. And I tend to think that somebody's last words when they're on the planet are pretty important. And then we see the ascension. So I want to look at Luke chapter 24, and we're going to read this passage in its entirety. We're going to be looking at quite a bit of scripture this morning. And so we're going to begin in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. It said, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now this is, this is, I mean, we're talking, this is right after the resurrection. I mean, right after. This is Sunday. This is the same day. While they were talking and discussing Jesus himself, he drew near, went with them. Verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is this, com- this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. You're going to want rem- to need to remember that, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these happened there these days? I mean, it's like, where have you been, dude? What's, I mean, what have, have you not noticed what's been going on around you? He said to them, what things? They said to him concerning the Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. It's important to remember. Matter of fact, if you're a, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I, it, it is okay, it's not sacrilegious if you're a Bible, if you have your tree Bible, your paper Bible, and you make notes and um, uh, highlights and things of that nature. That's a verse that I would highlight. And it's important because, I mean, these are two people. Matter of fact, we believe that just on the historical record, that this is probably a couple, a man and a wife, and the wife is named at the crucifixion standing with Mary. So think about that, and think about this statement they make, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. It still doesn't say there that he was the son of God. Are you with, did I lose you already? Are you, are you with me? And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one of the redeemed of Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And they said to him, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Verse 26, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And the scriptures 
In the beginning, and let me back up, verse 26, and was it not necessary for the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures of things concerning himself. Think about, I mean, we're not talking he had a five-minute conversation with them. And so he's, ta- I mean, he's starting with the prophets, the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament to the law. He interpreted them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Verse 28, so they draw near to the village, which they were going. He acted, he acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them, verse 30, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it. And gave it. Does that remind anybody of anything? He broke it and he blessed it and he gave it to them in verse 31. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. I mean, the Bible had a line on Star Trek before Star Trek was ever. I mean, I mean, I don't know if they had the sound effects and you saw the glowy thing, but I mean, think about this. He transported, he disappeared from their sight, vanished from their sight. Verse 32, and they said to each other, did our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? Verse 30, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And this is how we know that they were not part of the eleven, but some different disciples, some different followers. And they rose from that hour And they found the eleven, and those who are with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What a powerful portion of Scripture. Two followers were leaving Jerusalem after all this had happened. They're discouraged, they're they're, they're, they're confused, they're processing a lot of feelings, but listen to me. Verse 16, God's divine sovereignty kept them from understanding of the full reality of his resurrection because I, I believe Jesus was setting up something because they're all in disarray. And this scripture really kind of opens that up. If you look in Luke 24, 17, it says, And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding? You know, Jesus comes in, they're already talking, and, and as you walk, what's this conversation you're having? And they stood still, what? Looking sad. Looking sad. Verse 21, they say this, but we had hoped, and I'm underlining that word for you to kind of draw emphasis to this, what he had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Do you see, do you, do you hear the doubt they're talking with? Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since he, we had hoped this was it. And all these things have happened. Verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see, meaning they didn't see, Je- they didn't have an encounter with angels. They didn't see Jesus. And so they're having this sorrow, this disappointment, this confusion. I mean, Jesus, after his resurrection, he's unfolding. What God is setting up is, uh, is that their hearts be totally ready for what's, what they're about to encounter. But listen to me. The two followers, they're processing a dichotomy 
between what Jesus taught them and their experience of his death on the cross. And I know dichotomy is not maybe a word that is just normal, our normal language, but I want to remind you what dichotomy, I couldn't think of a different, better word to describe. They, they know what they were taught, but yet they see what they're experiencing. They know what they've heard, but yet their experience is telling them something completely different. Dichotomy is a division of contrast between two things that are opposed, that are entirely different. Some believe there is a dichotomy between science and faith, but here they are, they're defeated, they're confused, they're discouraged. I mean, and they're processing all this. He said he would rise on the third day, and here it is the third day. He said he must suffer many things and be rejected by elders. I mean, these, these are scriptures. Chief priests, Jesus said this of himself. I'm going to suffer and be rejected. I'm going to suffer many things of the teachers of the law. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again on, in three days. He said, he, Jesus said this, the son of man is going to be betrayed to men. They will kill him, and in three days he'll rise. We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests that teach the law. They will condemn him to death. They will turn him over to the Gentiles. He'll be mocked. He'll be flogged. He'll be crucified. But on the third day, he'll be raised alive. And these are actual quotes from Jesus that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, he's, and so they've heard these things, but here it is the third day, and yes... Peter and John and Mary and Magdalene, they, we're going to talk about the encounters that they had, but the movement as a whole, if you will, they're not experiencing this. They know what Jesus has said, but yet they're not experiencing, they're not seeing the fulfillment in what he had said. Listen to me. How are you going to respond when the facts you're facing are different than the promise God has given What's going to be your response when the facts you're facing are different than the promise God has given? Come on, some, if you've been in this thing for a while, you've experienced that. How are you going to respond when the facts you are facing are different from the promise he's given? Maybe, listen, when God speaks to us something, when we're given a promise, there are times, there are times where it's almost immediate fulfillment, like, that God is just like on the fast track, that, I mean, it's like the fast pass of Six Flags. God's got you covered, he's got the time and appointment, and it happens, but I'm going to tell you so, so many more times, I have found that when God speaks to me, I always encounter a delay. And then a difficulty. And then what even seems like a dead end. But God is always true to what he promises and there's always a deliverance. So listen to me. When, God, when you are experiencing something that you feel, you know, the Lord speaks, he gives you a promise. He says, I, I think about my mom so many times with this. Because when she first got saved years ago... An evangelist, I believe it was an evangelist, but somebody had spoken a word of knowledge over her. Her whole household was not saved then. Back in, I mean, this is, this is mid-70s or so. And, and so uh, a, uh, somebody tells her, 
you know, just like the jailer we've, that Paul encountered, he says, you, or Peter, anyway, it's one of the two. It's one of the P guys. And uh, I'm digressing. But he says, believe and you and your whole household will be saved. And he spoke that over my mom. My mom held on to that word for decades. I'm talking decades. But she has now seen the fulfillment. It didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in two years. It didn't happen in five years. I'm talking decades. Listen to me. So many times God's going to speak to you something. There'll be a delay, and that's difficult to handle. There'll be difficulties, circumstances that seem to be operating completely opposite of what God told you to the eventually where there's a death of the thing. But if you'll hold on and you'll keep believing, God's going to bring, bring a deliverance. If God can raise the dead, he can breathe life into your situation. If God can breathe life into Sarah's womb to bear a child, he can do it for you. If God can heal Peter's mother-in-law, amen, men, it's okay to say amen. If, if Christ can heal the mother-in-law, he can do it for you and he can touch yours. If God can defeat an army with Gideon, God can raise up a few believers to turn the world upside down. If God can call the walls of Jericho and cause them to fall flat, he can bring down the walls in your life flat. If God can transform a Saul to a Paul, God can do it for you. Oh, that's who our God is. The Bible says in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Human impossibilities with divine with possibilities. God can do it. Don't give up. Your miracle may be right around the corner. It may be right there. Don't stop. Don't stop standing firm. Don't stop believing. Don't grow weary in doing well. Believer, I'm telling you, you hold on, God will do it. If he promised it, he'll do it. Came to preach this morning. I don't know if you're ready. But if God can save, if God can save, what else can God do? I mean, I'm going to tell you, salvation of man is far more difficult than a limb growing back. The salvation of man is a greater impossibility than a blind eye seeing. Sometimes we, don't, we, we really have learned not to see it that way. But the impossible is a salvation of man, and God made it a possibility. What else can God do? He can do all of it. He can do all of it. Verse 25, Luke 24, verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. This is back in our text. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things in order to enter his glory? Verse 27, and, the beginning, with Mo, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, look what he did. He interpreted to them all the scriptures and things concerning himself. There's a microphone right there. Kayla, would you bring that to me? He interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Listen to me. Jesus was always the plan. Jesus was always the plan. 
beginning with the promised offspring in Genesis that you read about in Genesis 3, God had a plan. Listen, when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, God was like, he was not like, what am I going to do now? They've just botched everything. I got to come up with a plan. That is not what he did. God had a plan before he needed a plan. And Jesus was always the plan. I mean, when you look at Scripture, and I, you know, it says that he goes through the prophets and he goes through the Scriptures. Maybe he was talking, he talked to them about in Isaiah 53 where he wrote about the stripes upon his back and that he become the man of sorrows, that man wouldn't know sorrows, that he was going to be crushed and bruised for sins and iniquities. Maybe he talked to him about in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, where the prophet Zechariah talks about his side being pierced, where blood and water would flow. Maybe he's talking about himself being the messenger of the covenant, like it talks about in Malachi chapter 3, that he was going to bring about a greater covenant than the old covenant. Come on, somebody. Christ, he wove the thread through scriptures that, and, and said, here I am. Am. And listen to me, just as Jesus did to the, on the road to Emmaus with these two believers, he wants to do it for you. Did you know that God does not want the things of himself hidden to you? He wants to show you. 1 Peter 2.1 tells us, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Just very quickly. I don't want to get too deep into this, but very quickly. So here we have the Bible. 66 books. 1,189 chapters. Over 31,000 verses. Over 780,000 words, 3,100,000 letters. These numbers all make up 7,000 promises, 6,400 commands, 8,000 predictions, prophecies, 3,200 predictions, 3,200 prophecies, 31. Actually, let's be specific. 30. 3,268 prophecies, 3,140 of them fulfilled. I'm going to tell you, our holy scriptures are no accident. And if you really want to experience, if you really want to experience that life-giving power that only Jesus can do, it part, it's a tag team with that of the written word. Yes, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart, but he empowers those words we read that come off that page that will change your life. I mean, I, I, you know, I was kind of looking some stuff up, and this one just, there's a, in some university somewhere, I would tell you the name of the university, but I can't pronounce it. I'm sure it's not in the States, but here's what fascinated me. They have written the Bible on, on 2,470 palm leaves. I would love to see that. That is just the side fact, just so you know. Anyway, 
But here's what we do know, that the 40 authors of Scripture, when you look at Genesis to Revelation, those 40 writers, Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, those 40 writers that were doctors and fishermen and kings and prophets and scholars and tax collectors, those 40 writers that over three different languages and over 1,500 years, three different continents, I'm going to tell you there was only one author, and that was through the power of the Holy Spirit. He has, he carried men along. That's why it all makes sense. That's why it all connects. You know, here recently, over the year, I, um, we have a, somebody in our church that's very dear to us, but Shana. Shana's going to come up here just really quickly. And it's been so exciting. Shana is, uh, um, is the one that is who cuts my hair. So we get, we get a lot of talk time. And uh, we're doing a new thing, so don't blame her. Um, <laughs> but here recently, just over the years, she just really um, jumped into something and just made a commitment. And so just, just tell us a moment about that. What, what is the decision you made this year? My decision was to uh, rededicate myself to God and make the commitment to read the Bible every day, to just get in the word with God and hear him and listen to him. We all know I have a problem talking, so being quiet is a big thing for me. But um, that was one of the biggest things for me, you know, just being able to read every day. God shows you what you need. And whenever you're reading, you know, I pray before I read and I write down my prayers so I can look back and see the praises and answered prayers that he has done for me and being able to just guide me through the hard times in my life. Um, everybody goes through so many different things, whether it be addiction or issues with your marriages or with your children or with self-discipline, whatever it is, God is going to be there to guide you through it, and he will show you what you need. And, I mean, just the revelation that I get from reading all the time, it's just so wonderful. I didn't realize how important it was, but now I do because God just shows me every day the blessings. Wow. Man. So... What's, what's something that, um, I mean, there's no doubt, Shana, there's no doubt your countenance has shifted, has changed. I mean, not that, you know, you were, walked around sour. I mean, that, that was never been you. But there's no doubt that, I mean, it's a shift. I mean, you can, you can see it in your walk. You hear it in your conversation. And, um, but something you said to me over and over and over and over was that just kind of you being taken back at, the power of doing this. Can you just talk about that just for a second of just, I mean, what, I mean, how do you, it's trans, you haven't understood everything you've read, but you've stayed faithful and you've read. Yes. You may have fallen back on some days, but then you catch up, you know, yes. you, you stayed faithful. But I mean, really, if you could point to one thing that's made the biggest difference in your life, what would that be? Um, honestly, when I am talking to others about the things that I'm going through, um, I'm going to get a little deep. Um, so some of the things that I'm going through personally with my relationship with my husband, um, 
having judgment from other people, I was letting those things like get to me. And then when I was reading, God was speaking to me and telling me, you need to be wary of who you talk to. Don't let the devil sneak his way in. He, and he was, um, one of the biggest parts was for me in uh, Matthew 19, it says, um, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And that was one of the biggest things for me to realize that it doesn't matter what I'm going through, um, that God is going to be by my side and that it's, his word is so strong and no matter what, I know I can always turn to him and the desires of my heart have changed. And whenever God says that he's going to bless you with the desires of your heart, it's not he's going to bless you with like the money or the fame or anything like that. He's going to change the desires of your heart and then give that to you. And it's, it's so amazing the changes that it makes in you. I, I get eager to read and Mm -hmm. before it was a chore and now it's a hunger. And when I feed myself every day, it just makes a huge difference. The way I talk, the way I walk, the way I hold myself. I mean, I'm in the hair industry, so (laughs) I come along a lot of people. And so being in that, you know, environment where I'm talking all day long, my talks are changing and going more towards the word of God and, you know, just being able to proudly speak about it and not be nervous or anxious or worried. I know that it's the right thing to do. Awesome. Let's give her a hand. Oh, love you, girl. Powerful words. Not only was Jesus the plan, and, but that Jesus, he wanted them to understand the plan. And that's, that's the point of all this. He, he wants you to understand. He, he wants you to catch it. He wants you to get it. And I'm kind of going to skip ahead a little bit, but you can, it's there in your notes. And maybe you want to jot it down if you're not normally a note taker. But saying Timothy 3, 15 and 17 is kind of where I was going with that. But I want to just talk about three things just very quickly. Listen to me. Read a translation you understand. We're, it's just more and more, there's always a debate about the best translation and all that. Listen to me. I would rather you read the translation you understand and read it than be scared of it and not read. Uh, the, 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 the arguments that take place over translations are, are, are so minuscule and really the big scope of things. I mean, I mean, there's so, one time I was, I, I shared this before, but I was, you know, there was a guy I was praying with, talking to, and I mean, he was, you know, had just a lot going on in his life, a lot of addiction, a lot of change, and he was so hung up on the differences of translations. I'm like, buddy, you really don't need to worry about translations right now. You just need Jesus. You know, you encounter, what you got to remember is that Jesus is the one that makes the word spirit and life. The second thing is this, is read the Bible for what it says. Listen, there are some times, even, I mean, I've been doing this thing for a long time, and there's still some scriptures, I mean, I got to, I mean, I got to really think hard about. I, you know, I'm thinking, now, what did that just say? And, I, you know, I, I really love the quote from, uh, I believe it was Mark Twain that said, it's not the 
it's not the scriptures that I don't understand that bother me. It's the ones that I do understand that bother me. And, you know, if you read your Bible, you can understand it. But this, the simple thing is just read, your, read the Bible for what it says. Even when it comes to revelation, don't try to just use all that brain juice to try to understand every single thing you're reading. Just read it. Just read it. The, the next thing is this, is it is important to understand who, what, when, where, then apply. So many times, and I've shared this before, but it's something, I, um, the time I spent at Southwestern, of all the classes I've took, all the hours of college I took, I do not remember anything except for one statement. And it was from Leroy Bartell. He was my Bible study teacher. And he asked the class, how many of people in the class had been holding on to a scripture but yet had never seen it to pass? And how we... Compare that and how do we relate to that when the promise of promises maybe is, but his word will not return void. How do we part out together? And he simply said this, it's because you're applying it the wrong way. You're trying to make God's word say something that it doesn't say. For you to understand the power of the promise, you got to understand the reality of the promise. Does that make sense? you gotta, you got to really, you just can't take any verse you want to and make it mean what you want it to mean. And so you do have to have, do, do a little bit of digging, do a little bit of research, but above it all, ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to you. Shana referred to that. I'm going to tell you, he'll do it every single time. Why? Because he wants you to understand his word. Verse 30, very quickly. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread. I, I mean, I meant to have a loaf of bread. That would know, have been so cool, just illustration, break it. That, he broke it and he gave it to them. And that's when their eyes, the Bible says, verse 31, were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Verse 32, and they said to each other, did our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? And he opened the scriptures. That's part of what we're talking The Holy Spirit illuminating that word to us. And they rose the same hour and they went and they talked to other 11. Listen to me. Transformation only happens through Jesus. Transformation does not happen any other way. Transformation, if any man be, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I don't have it on the screen for you. But I know some of you know this verse. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? Come on, say it loudly. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? If any person's in Christ, they're a new creation. It is Jesus that does the changing. Wives, I would love to tell you that you can change your husbands. Husbands, I'd love to tell you that you can change your wives. There's only one Holy Spirit, and it's not your spouse. I'm pretty really good. I, I, a little marital counseling right now. I mean, what we need, what has to happen is Jesus. It's an encounter with Jesus. And nothing you try to do on your own will complete that change until you are in Christ. One of the marks of a true conversion is the way that the heart is transformed by Jesus. And when he broke that bread, their eyes were open. Listen to me. When you break open the bread of life, those words we find in Scripture, what you're going to encounter over and over and over again is something's going to leap out at you like it's never leapt out before. And you're going to think the words on that page that God wrote specifically for you. You're like, God put that in there for me. And guess what? He did. 
He just opened up the word to you to transform your heart. A cold, dead heart that was completely wrapped up in self-centered pursuits, it begins to thaw through the work of the Holy Spirit. I love how John Wesley, he's the father of the Wesleyan movement and, and the Methodist movement, but something he said as he read scripture, that his heart was always strangely warmed. And that's exactly what the Word of God will do for you. And I want to remind you as important as Genesis to Revelation is, in those scriptures we find something that the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, before truth are words, truth is a person, and it's that person that will set you free. Are you following me? We've got to experience the person that the word is telling us about. And that's exactly what happened on the road to Emmaus with these two believers. They were overcome by their doubt, their confusion, their sadness, and they get to encounter Jesus in his risen glory. And he, he, makes, he makes everything make sense. And their lives are shifted and changed. They run until the 11. I mean, it's one of those things, one of those powerful experiences of Scripture. I want to ask everybody to stand this morning. It says we just have just a, just a response time, and we're, we'll have some worship music in a few moments just after this, and prepare for baptisms. And uh, we're going to do something very special for baptism this morning. I, it's going to be so exciting. I, I can't wait. But here's what I want to ask you this morning. Is that I, I believe in our movement. What I love about the Pentecostal distinctive that makes us part of the assemblies of God is that, yes, we know it's a simultaneous thing that happens. We both have to encounter truth, but we also encounter a person. And then the road to Emmaus, that's exactly what happens, that Jesus expounds, gives them the truth. He explained the scriptures from the prophets of the Old Testament, how about it all what? What did it concern? Himself. But it just wasn't that. He came into their home or the place where they were and he broke bread with them. And so not only did they hear the truth of all the written scriptures, but they got to encounter the person. I believe in our relationship with the Lord that we need both and that both are biblical. It is important to know those promises. I mean, I, I know it's... it's it's been several years since I've shared this, but very quickly, I'm not going to go on the whole story, but I came a point in time, it was early on in ministry, and I was ready to quit. I wasn't in ministry too long, and I was like, this is not what I thought it was. Some, somebody didn't tell me something, and I was ready to lay it down. Long story short, I encountered a prophet, and he... He spoke into my life a verse 
that I've never forgotten, that I've preached on, I've preached on for the last 27 years. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor is there into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. The next few words are some of the most important words that have been my lifers, but he revealed it by his spirit. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such an honor that you would listen to our podcast. I hope and pray that you are ministered to in a very special way. Don't forget, this goes out on several different platforms. It goes out Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean. If you would, like, share, help us get the word out. If you want more information about us, just go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. God bless you.